0: You are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast, a podcast where myself, David Gillespie, and my friend Rich talk about out-of-the-way games that we enjoy, the conventions we play them at, and anything our friends want to jump on and talk about. If that sounds like what you're looking for, please have a listen. We've added some social media places for you to join us in talking about games and RPGs. We're on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming, and we have a Facebook group called High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Click to join, we'll get you added in. It's a closed group, but we're friendly to all game enthusiasts. Another thing that Rich and I are going to start doing is we want to start doing a contest to try and get some more reviews on iTunes. If you go to iTunes and leave a review for High Shelf Gaming Podcast, you'll be entered in to win a Steam code for Small World 2. Hey everyone, this is David again with High Shelf Gaming. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime or head or life mate, or whatever you want to call this guy, Rich. Say hey to everybody.
1: Hey everybody, I've changed my name to Adi Mawaji from NPR for this episode, and I will be testing my NPR voice. Back to you, Dave.
0: God, please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, today we are joined by new friends of ours, Robert and Ben. Robert, why don't you introduce yourself real quick and then and then we'll do Ben next?
2: Sure, hi, I'm Robert Croy. I am here to talk about Legend of the Five Rings. I have been playing the game for the, oh God, the new version since it came out, and then the old version in twenty twelve. I play Scorpion Clan, which I'm sure we're all gonna talk about that, yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, all good stuff. Okay, yeah. So today we're talking about uh, a new LCG, Legend of the Five Rings, and then Ben wants you to introduce yourself as well.
1: Sure. My name is Ben DeVoe. I work at universities. I currently work at University of Nebraska at Kearney, and i also played card games, role-playing games for a year. Uh, L5R is a game I was aware of for a long time, and then I met Robert, who taught me the game, and I've made it my life's goal to constantly make sure that the Scorpion Clan does worse than the Unicorn Clan, which is my clan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and succeeded at the one tournament we both went to. So. Oh, that's great. That's great.
0: My, my wife will be very happy. My wife loves the Unicorn Clan, so to know that there's another out
1: there is great. Um, so, because so d- the unicorn are super cool, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, uh, David, what clan are you? Uh,
0: you know, I haven't picked a clan, uh, which is sacrilege. I, I, I kind of play whatever I like. Um, I've toured all the clans. I still haven't really settled on one. Um, mm. I think what's interesting to me right now is the is the Crane Clan because when I look at the way people talk about the game. They're not getting as much fanfare as the others, and I'm kind of a an underdoggy type player. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just me- misreading. Underdog.
2: This it took a whole tsunami to put the crane away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take a step back. Let's take a step back. Um, so, Legend of the Five Rings is the is, is the topic of today. It's a card game. It's a living card game. Robert, mm-hmm. can I ask you to explain the difference between like a living card game and a collectible card game, and just to kind of set the stage for everybody what the difference is.
2: For sure. A traditional collectible card game, trading card game, or the games like Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, that sort of thing, where you buy booster packs and you hope you get what you want. Mm. Uh, There's usually a secondary market with these things, and the cards can get kind of expensive, especially with the tournament scene. Now, a living card game is specifically a a coin termed by uh, FFG, Fantasy Flight Games. AEG, Alderac Entertainment Group, actually has a version of it called Expandable Card Game, ECGs. Hmm. Um, But to talk specifically about LCGs, it means living card game. It's a stupid name because it has nothing to do with being alive. (laughs) (laughs) They're just inert cards. They don't bite you or anything. (laughs) But, uh, But I actually really like the model because what happens is when you buy an expansion... Uh, which would traditionally be like a booster pack in a, a traditional game, you get a full play set of every card that comes in it. So the collectibleness of it goes away, the trading of it goes away, mm-hmm. uh, and as long as people stay up to date, which is... Uh, it, it can range between more expensive than other games because you're buying everything to less expensive because you're getting everything. Right. But as long as you have everything, then it turns uh turns much more into skill and deck building because it's mm-hmm. not like you're fighting somebody who spent a hundred bucks on his just like four cards in his deck. Like that that doesn't happen.
0: With this you're able to kind of put in I think today if you did a full investment it's like less than 150 bucks and that gets you all the cards in the game.
2: Um I would say less than two hundred, but that's okay. because of the way the core set works out. Oh okay. Gotcha.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. So that's a good yeah. point. But even so your max investment is way mm-hmm. under, say, Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, yeah, yeah, Or anything else to be competitive. If you want to be competitive, this is a, a model that's very wallet-friendly in comparison.
2: Yeah. It's very friendly mm-hmm. to the competitive player. Um, to the casual player, like Kitchen Table, L5R, they can buy just the packs that they want for the specific cards that they want, and they know that they're going to get them. So it's one of those things where, like, upfront costs can be potentially much more than a tra- trading card game. Mm. But you also get everything. You have it all.
0: Ben, you've talked about playing a bunch of other games. Mm -hmm. Did you, sounds like you didn't start with L5R, like maybe Robert has been playing L5R for a long time, uh, back when it was a collectible card game and transitioned into the LCG once it came online. Kind of how did you get your introduction and and how did you kind of come to love this game? Uh,
1: Well, I've been playing card games and role-playing games for uh, 15 years now, but I started off in Magic the Gathering like a lot of people did when it came to trading card games. Oh, yeah, me too. Big fan of limited formats, even still. That's the one thing you can still find me at. If a friend wants to drag me out to a magic event, if it's a draft, I might go Mm -hmm. uh, and have a good time uh, with whatever the set is, struggle through it, and have fun. But, yeah, I started off L5R at the tail end of when it was dying as a CCG, um, right like, a year and a half before it got bought out, and then we had this year of silence before we kind of knew what was going on with it at FFG.
0: So the history there is AEG, that company invented L5R and they really birthed it yes and, and ran it for years and years and years. Had a role playing game. That was my introduction. I mm-hmm. I played the role playing game obsessively. Oh, me too. oh cool, awesome. Uh, what uh I, 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 your favorite yeah, clan no. in the role playing game? What was that?
1: favorite clan in the role playing game? Uh-huh. Uh Probably Lion, just because it was easy to roleplay at first when I was trying to get a handle on the universe. And then the more you got into it, the more there is to the Lion Clan when it comes to how honor works in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They're not as one-dimensional the as people in the world way more.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, And we'll talk about the world here in a little bit, but that's, that's, that's key. That's really cool. My favorite was probably Phoenix, just because mm-hmm. they had so many weird weird problems with their focus on magic. They had all kinds of crazy stuff coming up. It's was like, all right, what's going on with the Phoenix today? Cause it's, it's always off the wall compared to right. what I'd seen elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, okay. So AEG invented L5R. They gave it a big yes. run. They sold it, or at least the role-playing game to wizards of the coast for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then had this really, I don't know if you guys heard about this story, but they had a really cool moment where the, creator wanted it back and wizards was like well ah, we're gonna maybe sell this to somebody else and he got on the phone with them and gave them this big and passionate speech of like this came from my head this is my intellectual property i know i sold it to you guys but it says my baby i'm the only one who can steward this into the future mm-hmm. and i know i can't pay you what other people are going to pay you but i'm going to do the best with it that anybody else could do and that won them over. Like, the Wizards of the Coast folks were like, all right, man, yeah, that was, a great, that was a great presentation. You won us over, you get to have it back. He ran with it for a little while and just sold the whole thing over to Fantasy Flight. What was that, two years ago? Is that right?
2: Um, Three years ago? I think it was 2015.
1: Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, 2015. That also sounds like John Wick.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's doing stuff with his 7C line, another game universe that's really cool that, who knows, maybe you guys will talk about in a future cast.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. Definitely. You know, he he makes good things, you know, uh, but I'm really excited about this move to Fantasy Flight because these guys... Me too. I I don't know. They manage stuff very well, at least in my view, like what I've seen. And it's kind of cool that they're making... An LCG from this card game that has such a deep bench of history and
2: like
1: player. It's unlike enthusiasm. any other game
2: I've ever played.
1: So Robert, let me hit
2: you with this one that I kind of just wrote down some notes here. And by the way, everyone, I'm a complete noob. Never played the game, unlike these three, uh, but I have role played. Yeah. And I have read some books. And so part of me wondered, did they keep the storyline genre alive? And even with like back with the TCG days of this game, I used to remember that maybe the way worlds ended up affected the way the books were gonna be written, or the way the trading card game had tournaments affected the role playing world. Yep.
1: Have they have they threaded everything well with the new Living Card game?
2: So uh to back up, Legend of the Five Rings is a game unlike any that I've ever played because not not because like it's a cool card game, but because there's a story that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an actual community-driven and community-engaged story. Now, the way AEG did it, players were able to be much more involved with it. So, like back in the '90s, when nobody cared about balance or at least not openly, then (laughs) what what you had in your deck uh, could influence the story. There were lots of story decisions. I didn't play at that time, but I have heard about them. Things like that. Uh, And then winners of tournaments would uh, be asked by AEG what decisions that they would like to make for their story, and players had a very direct involvement with the story. And that story also, remember, lasted like 20 years. Now, when it went to FFG,
1: 25 plus years, it was the second longest one compared to Magic.
2: Yeah, second only to Magic. Never which in is, popularity, but, like, it was the second card game. Which which
0: is crazy when you think, like, Magic, its story is eh, almost immaterial. If there's a story there, you uh, kind of don't have yeah. to care about it. But with, yeah. with L5R, it matters because you'll be playing a character, and then a couple of years later, that character shows up again, but he's, like, disfigured in some way because something happened story-wise that completely changes him as a character. <laughs>
2: Back when I was playing, uh, my clan champion was a man named Bayushi Natoshi. Uh, and AEG really liked to use um, keywords or traits as uh, kind of fluffy. So there are some rules attached to some of them, and some of them were just there for fun. Mm-hmm. And Bayushi Natoshi had the keyword sociopath. <laughs> and it, and it, it didn't do anything like in the game. But like in the stories, he was not a good man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I,
1: I remember... I remembered some of your forums at the time that there was a discussion within your own clan of if they won, like, an assassination award, if they should try to kill your own clan champion because yeah, no, no one was sure if he was actually acting for the good of the clan and the emperor or not because
2: he's a sociopath right? at, at the at the time the scorpion and the crab had a really tight alliance and I remember like talking to some really high up influential uh, crab pe- crab members in the community and I'm like we're going to betray you it's not my fault and I'm so sorry I don't like Natoshi either <laughs> games <laughs> people <laughs> <laughs> uh, But to answer your question about how FFG does the story, um they have this is interesting. they have ta- they've reimagined, not quite a reboot, but they have reimagined it to a point earlier than when the game had launched before. Oh, genius. So, like, uh, when the game first came out, there was this pre-established history Mm -hmm. that then started in... uh, I think the Scorpion coup had already happened. But now, we're actually starting before any of that happens. And it's really cool, because they have 20 years worth of material to draw upon and, like, see what they're going to do. So, like... I personally hope that absolutely nothing is the same. And a lot of people are like, I want certain things back. And I'm like, I don't. We did that. Let's do something else. So it's fun to see, like, the little nods they do to the old story. But FFG doesn't involve the community as much as AEG. But that's not to say that they don't. Like, the Shogun, he won with Lion and managed to secure a plot decision about whether or not to give a prisoner of war back or to execute them. Stuff like that. So, it's a lot more controlled than it was with AEG, which I actually prefer, because that means that the story will make more cohesive sense. Yeah.
0: yeah. We should probably take a quick minute to describe the world that this card game takes part in. Uh, Ben, do you want to kind of take a crack at that? Like, describe Rokugan, the land that all of this is unfolding in.
1: Sure. So, Rokugan is a land uh, that, since it was first introduced is a land of conflict, Um, largely in the story that we're involved in between seven clans. Um, It basically takes every trope you've ever learned or heard of from any sort of Eastern mythology or folklore, throw in some mishmashes of other folklore here and there where they feel it fits, and you have a pretty good approximation of what Rokugan's like. Full of fantastical samurai, with all of the good and negative connotations that comes with because there's totally like class, like classism and other things in there when it comes to, uh, to the samurai. There's magic, uh, but the magic is also has to deal with the karmic balance of the universe. And when people do things wrong with magic, it usually results in terrible things everywhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and among it all, there's these seven cl- main clans vying for control. Even though there's all these other people living lives in the world, you don't really hear about them, not important. Let's ignore the fact that there might be a peasant uprising in the game right now. Right.
2: Um, <laughs> well, they don't matter.
1: Uh, yeah, they don't matter, uh, according to the society of the game. If they mattered, uh, and they would have
2: been samurai. That's 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 how it works. Yes. Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> and among it all is, is the Emperor uh, Hanthai, who is the descendant of the first among the kami. There were several kami, they all founded these great clans. And his role is to kind of keep these clans from going into open warfare with each other and to keep the empire as a whole. And each of the clans has a role that they were given toward that end to both A, keep the empire safe, and B, to make sure that they're always in conflict with another clan to the point where they're never a threat to the empire.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, so real quick to back up, Kami are like gods, and, yes, their
1: they, spirits are gods.
0: Yeah, and they seeded all of the clans. So each clan has one or more kami that mm-hmm. helped birth them into this world. And yeah, there's always this kind of seething underbelly of conflict between them all. Never so much so that Rokugan can't feed itself, but always some conflict so that the empi- so the Emperor can't be challenged by any one group, because they're always mm-hmm. being hampered by somebody else.
2: Without trying to be, like, super specific about them, I I would like to run through the clans. Uh, First, there's Lion. Lion are the largest standing military in Rokugan. Every every clan respects Bushido in all of its forms, but every clan kind of... Leans one way or the other, and certain ones. Uh, yeah. Lion is very much all about honor, so they're very militaristic in the card game, and they typically go wide as a board because their stronghold gives plus one to everyone. So they just, just they have huge army. It's it's actually inevitable; you can't stop it. Um, <laughs> the, the two rules of lion are: they will win their military conflict, and they will lose their pol- your political conflict. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There are exceptions, Uh, but they're rare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then there's Crane. Crane are a very politically-minded faction. In the story of the game, they are the most culturally adept. They have all of the art and all of the poetry. They also are all of the duelists. They resolve arguments in Rokugan by dueling. So, of course, the Crane get their way a lot uh, and stuff like that. So the Crane often... uh, Use dueling cards and things like that. They're also very specific, very focused on honored characters. So we mentioned earlier that you can honor your characters. They do that a lot. Mm-hmm. There's dragon. Dragon is very middle of the road in a sense, where they are not super military or politically uh, leaning, uh, but they might. All of their characters are very balanced in general. Uh, they do fate manipulation where they can move fate around and stuff like that, from, like, characters around to rings. They're also very uh, attachment-focused. Uh, they are the only clan that uses the Niten style of uh, fighting, which is two swords instead of one. So they they put on a lot of attachments.
0: They, they have but, a lot of monks as well, right? Like, they're very, yeah. uh, uh, they're very uh, meditative, man on a mountain, thematically, anyways. Yeah. Yes.
1: Man of the Mountain, Blind Samurai, I wouldn't mess with them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's Phoenix. Phoenix are the Shugenja. When I say Shugenja, that means wizards and spellcasters. They are the people who commune with the Kami. Magic in L5R is uh, a gift that the Kami perform for you. So the Phoenix have a lot of spells and a lot of, like, really destructive abilities that require specific conditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things like that. And then, uh, let's see here. Who else is left? Crab. Crab are... If you're familiar with, like, uh, Game of Thrones, there's the Northern Wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, The crab are like that. They protect the the Empire from the Shadowlands to the south, which is, you know, abject, horrible, cosmic, unknowable evil. Uh, and they constantly die, and the rest of the empire doesn't give them supplies. I actually sympathize a lot with the crab. They're yeah. very, they're very militarily focused.
0: <laughs> and, and, and what sucks for the crab is they border with the crane. So the most <laughs> bloodied and and brutalized people are next door to the highest cultured, most Yeah, richest, most artistic, and it's like, it's like, it's totally wrong side of the tracks. If you were born in the Crablands, you are going to know a life of suffering. If you're born just on the other side of the mountain, where the crane are, eh, tea and honey all day. Like, I don't... (laughs) Their, uh,
2: Their entire theme is just pragmatism. They are pragmatism the clan. They have a card called Funeral Pyre, which is sacrifice your dude, draw a card. So if you have a guy with no fate on him and he's bowed, he'll never come back to fight. Put him on the fire. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh there's the scorpion the scorpion are a politically minded clan and very low on honor they typically they have uh, a lot of abilities to dishonor. I can speak most specifically about them in just that like they're uh i don't wanna kind of control they have control elements every clan can, but the scorpion can definitely they uh will hurt themselves to hurt you more stuff like that. I'm, I feel like I'm missing one.
1: Yeah, Unicorn. Yeah, and
2: then there's Unicorn.
1: Which, Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Who remembers that? Okay, i to talk about Unicorn. Uh, unicorn, we are the second strongest military faction, or third, depending on how you put crab. Because we crab have to put us first. behind lion, because first. lion won't accept not beating. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. We'll let lion have the day. Uh, but we have the strongest cavalry in the lands. We have rich, fertile fields of lots of grain. And our main Bushido virtue is compassion. And our main like story trait that manifests in a lot of our cards is lore wise, a couple hundred years ago, we actually left Rokugan on a, on a mission for the emperor to go find all like evils in the world so we could learn from them and bring it back so that the emperor empire would be protected from outside forces. And then we reinvaded Rokugan from over the crab wall. (laughs) Um, as a bunch of filthy foreigners because we didn't know any of the customs. We looked completely differently now, and we called ourselves a different name because originally we were the Chiron clan instead of the Unicorn. And uh, we managed to convince the crane that we are who we say we are and they let us back into the empire and now we use weird things like spy glasses and shake people's hands instead of bowing and (laughs) (laughs) not right things. My
0: favorite favorite card in the unicorn is the, uh, I I forget what it's called, um, but it's the one where you can spend an honor to turn uh a, a political fight into a military fight. It's captive audience captive audience that's right yeah because it's like all right I'm a unicorn player we've shown up we're gonna we're gonna play court games you don't expect me to do so well haha swords out and uh
1: <laughs> out. and then I'll play this cap reserve card and suddenly there's a bunch of military- angry men on horses riding down on you you should really give us this treaty
2: right they also they also have a card called Gaijin Customs, which is actually just a unicorn like trying to shake hands with someone, and they're like <laughs> confused.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, they have a lot of fun theme stuff. I, I do like them just for that. They, they, they have a very fish-out-of-water feel with
1: them. But mm-hmm. Gameplay-wise, they're kind of weird, because uh, our thing deals with movement, So, and we didn't really touch on this, but when you do attacks, you choose the province you're attacking as well as the ring you choose. And unicorn, their main military theme is that we have lots of ways to move extra people into the fight, because normally when I start a fight, I choose who's going in there, and that's who's in there. Unicorn with cavalry can say, oh, this guy's actually in here too, or I have cards that say, nope, this guy's actually going home, and is going to be ready for another fight. So to me, Unicorn's about um, all about commitment and choosing that you get to cheat on the commitment battle between you and your opponent to try to get them to overcommit. So.
0: And that's all of them, right? That's all the clans, all the, all the clans that exist now. There's- there's right. other clans we expect right. to arrive, but yeah, it's the seven.
1: We we expect at it's least one that because that hinting at it. Yeah, it's the seven that matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, all the clans have samurai. That all of them have some shugenja, some kind of caster. Just yeah. some yeah, yeah. focus more towards one or the other.
1: Yep. And that was actually to touch on story points. One of the first story decisions was whether the unicorn got to keep practicing our uh, foreign magic. Oh, <laughs> uh, which relies on items uh, <laughs> yes, and the person who won that decision uh decided that, yes, we did get to keep practicing it, it wouldn't be outlawed, but we had to send representatives to the imperial court who would teach the emperor's body cards this magic so that the emperor and the empire would be safe in case we tried to do anything weird with it. That's awesome. And that will lead to no bad decisions, and they didn't drop any hints of old lore that made me think that this was a terrible <laughs> idea and that all was going to go wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the nice things is that there's, everything cuts both ways all times. So if you make a decision, you know that everybody's involved is going to hate some part of it.
1: Yep. yep. And the best part was the Unicorn didn't get to make that decision. We did not do well at that tournament. We had very little voting power, so the other clans did. And so it was very tense in the Unicorn Discord while we were waiting for that decision
2: to be announced. (laughs) The Hatamoto got to make that decision, and I think the Phoenix wanted to outlaw it, and then, like, everyone else was like, screw the Phoenix!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course the Phoenix want to outlaw it, because they have the lock on the regular magic in the world.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. We uh, We should... Have more free access to magic, (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, good stuff all around. And it's quite, if you like games or worlds where there is that intrigue, where there's magic, where there's people making decisions that seem alien to you, but once you learn how their culture and, like, mindset works, totally makes sense and is also horrifying. Like, the lion once uh, executed an entire minor family... Uh, at a wedding ceremony day, because uh they had a blood feud that went back 200 years, and they got it all officially written in and signed off by the emperor, and they just executed it 200 days, 200 years later. Um,
2: yeah, because they <laughs> they're all just about just that honor, down.
1: and they know honor way better than you and how the code works. So better be on that. Yeah, unscheduled For- war is frowned upon. Yeah, and the thing is, you can't <laughs> doubt the emperor. He's descended from the gods, right? Like, right. so what he does is the law of the world because this world literally we can see spirits. I can hire a guy to summon spirits. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. If I say if I say these people did something bad to me, don't you agree, my emperor? And he agrees with me, and then you tell me I'm wrong. You're telling the emperor he's wrong,
0: right. and that don't fly. Right? Yeah. Favor of the emperor. <laughs> I I do love this. Like, whoa, 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 we can all go to war, but we gotta write it down first. Are you like? <laughs> (laughs) Hey, Emperor, just so you know, in two months' time, I'm going to start a war with the Dragon Clan. Um, They did this thing that I really don't like. And the Emperor's like, cool, you know, check mark, do your thing,
1: enjoy. (laughs) Yep. But he might tell you no, and he might tell you something completely different, and you're just going to have to deal with that.
2: It yeah, uh, doesn't stop the clans from doing other, more uh,
1: skullduggery things. Right. As long as the emperor doesn't see, it's fine. You're right, um, right, right. But that's the thing with this world, though. If It's a great world. There's a lot of old fiction. There's new fiction coming out that's being published for free. Uh, if anyone's interested, check it out. But going into it, you should understand that the culture is very different from what you're used to. Yeah. It, it like, is- we were just talking about crimes and stuff. Evidence is totally a thing in our world and due process and stuff. But right. in this world... If somebody more honorable than you who has more recognition or the Emperor, gosh forbid, says something, then I'm sorry. That's the truth. Like, yeah. you're going to have to work around that. Yeah. Um, it, it, that
0: is one of the things that's really cool about this place is that, one, it's not yet another Eurocentric game, right? Because, right. you know, Magic and D&D and all these right. games are all, mi- you know, uh, Middle Earth uh, Eurocentric type game settings. And this place has a very different culture, not only like you're talking about with sincerity where, um, you know, somebody of a certain honor says a thing that becomes the reality that everybody agrees to because nobody higher than that person stated that fact. Um, And and also this whole draw of the kami, of the the spirits of the land and, and their kind of ever-present influence on on things and on decisions, you know, people will at least in the role-playing game they will change entire battle plans based on whisperings of the economy and stuff like that. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just really neat the way that the way that information mm-hmm. is is used in that world and and what truth means. I just love it. It's the whole world is just so cool to me. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback for us, please find us on Twitter, again, at High Shelf Gaming, or on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher as well, so feel free to leave us some feedback or a review there.